We've arrived at the edge of the equinox. We talk about everything from the dark side of witchcraft to burnt cookies. We are your guides, witchy sisters, Star. And I'm Rob, thank you so much for joining us today. For episode one, we talk about new witches. So this week, I've been listening a lot to the Fat Feminist Witch Podcast, and I'm learning quite a bit about baneful magic. If you don't know what that is, you're, think of hexing, cursing, jinxes, bindings. Not all witches are Wiccan, and there are a lot of witches out there that only believe in science. And I'm kind of bringing this up now because it's been really fun to get into that spooky vibe. And even if you're not ready to curse anybody, not that maybe, maybe you're lucky enough to never cross that road. But it was really fun listening to it. And it made my day, my month, a little bit spookier. Raba, how is your spooky month? Yeah, it's been really good so far. I have a Samhain playlist on Spotify that I just play all day long. And it kind of, you know, gets me in the mood. I've also been thinking more about different grains and how I can use different gourds and stuff like that in my recipes to make it, you know, a little bit more fall feeling here in the desert. Even though the the two of us are, I want to say, your intermediate witches, we wanted to take you all the way back into the first step. And the first thing I swear every witch needs to do is have some sort of record keeping for your studies. I definitely agree with that. And just sort of as a disclaimer, the information that we share with you today is going to be very surface level to sort of help you get a jump start in diving deeper into some of your research. But the first thing I want to talk about is the difference between a grimoire and a book of shadows, or a BOS as I'll be calling it for the remainder of the podcast. So a grimoire is more general knowledge that you can sort of use across the board. It's a great place to house all your research, all the things you learn. And I will go into this in a bit further in detail in just a second. But keep in mind, it can be something you pull out and reference more like an encyclopedia. If I'm going to be honest, I have way too many encyclopedias in my library. I have about five. They're all really heavy and they're all really dry. If I'm going to be honest, they're super dry. So I use my grimoire to note down anything that catches my eye, that it's going to be useful for me. I agree. That's the same way that I use mine as well. It's basically just a personal little witchy encyclopedia without all the other stuff. And as for the Book of Shadows, I heard that it was a more Wiccan tradition. So I opted not to do that. And I have a little personal diary that I do record my spells, my tarot, my readings in. And that does not count because I'm talking about my everyday life. And it's sometimes for weeks, for months, it's not about magic. Yeah, I have definitely heard that it is more Wiccan. And to sort of go over the difference of a BOS, in my opinion, it's a little bit more personal. For example, mine contains personal spells, rituals, my path and beliefs, and even my readings. If it is personal and witchy, it is in this book. It is my own little witchy mission statement slash diary, if you will. Some things you can add into your BOS would be information about your coven, should you so choose to join one, um, any deity, god or goddesses that you work with, or even little things that you really don't want anybody else to see, but just you. So now that you sort of understand the difference between a grimoire and a BOS, let's talk about creating one of those. So I first want to mention that some people do prefer to keep theirs separate. Just remember, you sort of always do what feels right for you. One of the more popular ways to create a grimoire or BOS is to write it down in a book. 
I started out with a mixed media art book from Walmart and it served me fine when I was starting out. Another option is to get a binder with removable pages or the plastic sheet protectors. I find this better for organization and moving section around when needed. So as you start to learn more, let's say you're diving deeper into herbs, then you can kind of put that there if that's the kind of organization you choose to have in your life. This is also a great option for broom closet witches as you can easily label as calculus and be sure no one will snoop unless you have a roommate that's also taking that class, but you kind of get my drift. Okay. I had a friend in high school. Of course, during this time, we're all horny teens. Can I say that? Horny teens? And she had porn downloaded onto her computer and she labeled it Barbie Dream House. And I don't know how, but her dad opened it and found it anyways. That is so insane. Okay, but if you name it Calculus, I swear nobody was, is going to open it. If you name it Barbie Dreamhouse, I will open it. I will want to play it. Moving on. Okay. A third option is for the more tech savvy witches. You can use apps like Google Drive or OneNote. Personally, I use Drive for my BOS under a personal witchy email. If you're in the broom closet, it's another great option. If you're living in less than ideal conditions, so like unsupportive parents or college roommates, for example, and you do not want them finding evidence, just remember to sign out first and, you know, maybe don't keep it on a family computer like Star mentioned above. Lastly, if you're a little extra, like I can be at times, you can create your own free website. As a disclaimer, I only do this for my grimoire, and I do it because I love building websites. While I have no intention of ever publishing the site, I love how easy it is for me to organize everything at the click of a button. Quick question. So, cyber witches, what do you know about them and what is your opinion? So, I don't know too much about the cyber witches themselves. It's not something that I have researched personally yet, but I'm definitely excited with how technology is growing how I can even learn from them as well as I do like using technology in my craft. That's really interesting. Also, did not know that about you. I guess I don't know too much about cyber witches. So from what I've heard is that a lot of witches kind of shit on cyber witches because they don't actually know what cyber witches do. So if you're a cyber witch out there, please email us. I am so curious to see what your daily your daily life looks like. I heard that some cyber witches do magic with emojis, but that could probably be just a rumor. I'm not quite sure. However, those cyber witches out there that are taking down black market websites and are donating to the BLM and running all these pages, like good on you. I respect that. Same here. Yeah, cyber witches are always welcome here, just like anybody else. Everybody's path is different, and I see no difference in a cyber witch versus somebody who's like a cottage witch. If you are a cyber witch and you do happen to email me, I would love to have an episode one day where we can educate others on that. But since this is the new witch episode, let's let's keep moving on. I just got sidetracked. Yeah, sounds good. So to move on, we know what the difference is. We have an idea of how to make one, but now you might be asking, so what do I put in my grimoire? There are plenty of ideas for things that you can put into your grimoire. Let's sort of talk about what some of those things are. And again, this is sort of surface level information for you. So you can start doing deeper research into things that make more sense for you or things that you're interested in, but definitely look up everything and see what works for you. 
to start out, let's talk about the different types of like witches and magic. So first up, one of the types of witches are a green witch. And of course, you don't have to choose what kind of witch you are right away. But I like to think of the green witch as your cottage core aesthetic kind of witch. They're super into herbs. You're going to have your healers here, the ones that know the most about crystals. Those are your green witches. And I'd like to give a personal thank you because green witches are really saving the earth right now. They have done so much and they're just wonderful altogether, in my opinion. So next up is an elemental witch, which is half of what I consider myself to be. Most all witches work with the elements in some sort of way. Elemental witches sort of dive a little bit deeper. So we all know, for instance, that elements can have their own power. So for instance, water. It can bring rain, which can help with the harvest, but it can also be a little bit more powerful in cases like a tsunami. So elemental witches have to dive deep to sort of understand because it's not controlling. We're not the avatar. We can't control all the elements. Oh, I mean, but wouldn't you love to be the avatar? Oh my gosh, yes. That would just be the best. When I was younger, I always thought that I could control them. And this is before I even stepped into witchcraft. I'd be sitting outside and it would be kind of hot. And I'd be like, wind, I wish you would blow a little and the breeze would blow. And that was sort of a foundation when I went into witchcraft, knowing that I wanted to work with all the elements because I had done that with all of them. So not just air, but, you know, I would always be super interested in fire and just different ways. So that's just kind of how it worked out for me. Run if she says she's into fire. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I've done that too. But I've been like, if there's a god out there, please give me some breeze because it's 105 outside. All right. So next up is the lunar witch. Okay, lunar witches. Everybody works with the moon, but a lunar witch is a lot more specialized. They know everything about astrology. And if you're like, I'm a new witch and I want to be a lunar witch, that's there's nothing else I want to be. You don't have to know it right away. It's so long and intense, and the subject itself is so hardcore. So many intricacies. You got the rising, the the ascendant, right? It's a lot to... <laughs> Lunar witches are extremely smart, but I, in my opinion, the lunar witches I know are always taking a nap, so you are my people. All right, next up is the hedge witch. That's me. So hedge witchery, how do I say it? Every definition I find talks about how hedge witchery is basically a person that lives on the hedge. So there is the town, the hedge, and then the other side. What our mission is, is to get to that other side. We're always peering through the veil so we can talk to ghosties and maybe accidentally offend a demon or two. It's not that scary. It's usually somebody's grandma trying to tell me where the earrings are. I love it. That's very well put and definitely describes you. Thank you. So next up is the Kitchen Witch. They do a lot of home-based protection and magic. Every recipe can heal you of something that you need. If you've got something wrong with you, I'm sure they have a recipe for it. If you have read Witchery by Julia Diaz, she talks about how her mom is a kitchen witch and how she would have soup as a young kid being sick. And it's just so beautiful because she almost walks you through the memory. I feel like I was there. And shout out to our very own kitchen witch, Morgan. We love you, Morgan. Yes, she's the little kitchen witch of our coven, but she's always coming through with the best recipes. 
And I got to say, I'm a little in love. And then lastly is the Eclectic Witch. And I think that Eclectic Witches are probably one of the more popular paths because you can take from everything as an Eclectic Witch. So as you learn more, your path can change. You can add your heritage in there, anything like that. Just whatever speaks to you. Sometimes Eclectic Witches are new witches because, I mean, you want to try everything out there. But a lot of times, Eclectic Witches that have been in the game for a very long time are super powerful, are super versatile. If you meet a crone that's also an Eclectic Witch, run. Or make best friends with them. Or make best friends with them, yeah. Next up are type of spells. Some types of spells that you can start diving deeper and learning about are banishing, binding, freezing. Sweetening, money spells, protection, which is a big one that we highly recommend learning as much as you can about, and self-love. So with banishing, that's going to be part of your cleansing. Before you banish, we recommend you cleanse first and then get into banishing. With binding, we kind of had a debate off camera or off record this can also be a very versatile category for new witches because binding isn't always baneful you can bind protection to yourself with freezing this is where you're gonna stop people from doing what you don't want to do it doesn't go against free will technically if you use it in a way that is helpful to greater society And the rest, I think, is a little bit self-explanatory. Agreed. It's all just the intention that you put into whatever spell that you're casting. All right, next up, we have open and closed religions. So an open religion is any religion or practice or path that anybody is open to do. There's no need for initiation or anything like that. Some example of closed religions would be indigenous, voodoo, santeria, or shamanism. These are practices that you need to be initiated into, have a long process. You might have to come from a certain background. You might also have to apply and, you know, have tests done. But also really cool because you must know so much if you're in a closed practice. Exactly. Sometimes it's passed down by family members as well. So it's very interesting, but just make sure that you're not appropriating anything. So for example, smudging and dream catchers are typically for more indigenous practitioners. And there's a lot of debate about sage and white sage with it being endangered. Some people say you should not use white sage at all. Some people say that they're indigenous. It's okay that you buy from us because we harvest it properly. So it just really depends. Sage also grows all over the world. If you want to replace white sage, you could always use blue sage. There's a lot of herbs out there that you can replace it with. But my personal favorite is incense because you can save the ashes and the sticks for any type of spell that you need. Yeah, it's a great way to make black salt. When I do smoke cleanse, I use juniper. And in demonology, they say if you use sage, you're basically poking a bear with a stick. Another one to note, if you haven't ever used sage before, sage takes a lot of work. You need to relight that like every two seconds. I don't know how well you're going to do with a demon in front of you and an exorcism going on. Just being like, hold up, 
let me get my lighter. Who stole my lighter? I agree. I know a lot of people or a lot of times I've heard people ask the question, I bought sage before I knew any better. What should I do with it? And there are people on both sides of the fence. Some say that you should not use it. You should bury it. And there are others on the different side of the fence who say that it is okay since you already own it. Do not waste something that you already have. And I was sort of in that spot as well when I started smoke cleansing. And you're right. Sage just does not burn like you think it would. Also, I think, I mean, there's a good third option. If you want, you could put it up on Craigslist or find your local reservation and just drop it off. Be like, hey, do you need this? I have it. Here you go. Free. That's a great third option that I've not heard of. And maybe that's me coming from the Midwest and not being near any reservations for the most part. But I think that is a great third option that I would love to hear natives tell me how they feel about it. Okay. So as I've said before, I use incense. What about you? So my choice for when I smoke cleanse is definitely juniper. It is quite abundant where I'm from. So it's literally in my neighbor's yard. I bet it smells awesome. Do you ever steep it with tea? I have not. I know there are different types of juniper trees. So I have don't want to have one that I might be toxic to Ooh. ingest. Yeah, don't die. Well, I mean, if you die, I could always talk to you from the other side. Yeah, but it'd be so hard to podcast from the dead. The podcast can take it. Okay, next up, we have the top five myths in witchcraft. Do you know what they are? I feel like I know a few, but why don't you start and tell me what you got? Okay, I made this list myself, all by myself. Um, <laughs> Myth number one, you have to believe in ghosts. That's not true at all. One of my best friends is a witch, and she does not believe that her grandma is reaching out to her whatsoever. She does not think that this stuff is real. However, she is completely valid because who's to say I'm not just losing my mind? I agree. While I, too, believe in ghosts and spirits, there's no reason to knock anybody else's path. Witches that don't believe in ghosts usually believe in basically different frequencies and vibrations. And, we, you know, we're all about that. I'm about that, too. Oh, I agree. There's a lot of times if I'm at work and I'm a little stressed, I'll play different frequencies just to sort of calm my space down. I really want one of those sound cleansing bowls. Like, really, really want them. But they're so expensive. Like the singing bowls or like the hand pans? I mean, either. Didn't you have a friend or a coworker that sells them for really, really big, like big money, big bucks? I have a coworker who sells crystal sound bowls. I have like a regular metal sound like singing bowl. She has a crystal sound bowl. And like, oh my God, they are. They're expensive. They're beautiful. But How much are they? Like thousands. Like, I think the baby ones are like 1200 <laughs> Must be nice. Okay, moving on to number two. Number two is you have to decorate your altars to the seasons. And I chose this one because there was a new witch that reached out to me and she wanted to know more about her altars. She was kind of in a hurry to deck out her altar because she didn't want to offend the gods and goddesses. And while, you know, I say there are no dumb questions or dumb intentions, you 
are not going to offend gods and goddesses that you have never worshipped. That's just the truth of it. If you don't have that extra penny to run to Dollar Tree, you do not need to have an altar. I agree. And everybody's altar is different. For some people, it's a little tin can that they hide in the back of their closet or a windowsill. And it's, you know, it's okay. There's times that I, even with my altar, don't decorate for every season because I just don't have the extra money to spend. But I might not deck it out, but it doesn't mean that I might not pick up some acorns. That's true. I I love giving offerings. I think mine is decorated. It's very artsy because... You know, I am an artist. However, it doesn't really change through the seasons. My offerings do, however. I feel like I'm about there as well. I'm not always decorative. I don't always change out, you know, the flowers. But you're right. I will do seasonal offerings. Okay, so number three, you cannot blow out your candle. And this is just a specifically Wiccan thing. If there are any new witches out there that who that have watched TikTok, and think that they can't blow out their candle, that's not true. It, it's it's a Wiccan belief. I see a lot of debate about this online, but I do agree that you do not have to not blow out your candle. Do you blow out your candle? I do blow out my candle. I was a firefighter's daughter growing up, so leaving candles unattended for long periods of time give me way too much anxiety. All right, moving on to number four is you have to join a coven. And this is basically not true. While you can connect to people, I really think as a new witch, you should not join a coven with a friend that just started off as a new witch because you can circle bad information to each other. I agree. When I started out my path, like, you know, we talked about earlier, I had no intentions of joining a coven. I was very much fine being a solitary, but... The universe, you know, gave you to me after two years in the craft. So it was just right. And it just worked out for me. The universe gave me you after 10 years in the craft. I've been waiting for you, boo. Where have you been? Girl, I've been hiding in my cornfields back in the Midwest. Ooh. Is the corn good? Girl, it is my favorite. Maybe I'm too hungry right now. This was a bad idea. Okay, number five, you have to choose a religion to understand your path. And no, some witches are longtime learners. Even if you have chosen a religion and you're five years deep into it, you can change religions. It's not set in stone. Everybody's magic is so different. And this is why we keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. Because what works for you is not going to work for somebody else. Like for candles, right? In the Wiccan read, Wiccan law, it says that the candle can be used for any purposes. But for my culture, white is only used to represent death. I agree that this is probably one of the biggest myths that I believed when I started into witchcraft, because when I started into my craft, I was atheist. So it was a lot of, do I get to call myself a witch? And learning that there is a difference between having a religion and being Wiccan or pagan and a witch. There are very separate things. And now we're going to segue into things you don't know about witchcraft. Number one, witchcraft was 
at a time allowed, but it was only allowed if you were rich and noble. Have you ever thought about the founding fathers of America and how everybody says, oh, they were a Freemason. Oh, they were in cults. Oh, they had orgies. Well, remember the Salem witch trial? If you were poor, you were fucked, basically. You are not wrong about that statement. Number two. There is such a thing as Christian witches. I want you new witches to know right now, do not judge. These witches are probably working with the elements, the angels, whatever it is. They have found witchcraft and they want to do witchcraft with an open heart and we should accept them. Okay, number three. You have to choose a religion to understand your path and this is just not True. You can have no religion. You can never decide. Or if you worship like a spaghetti monster god in the sky and you think it's totally badass, you can you can keep on that shit. Oh, yeah, of course. When I started out in witchcraft, I was atheist and I had to sort of learn that I don't have to be wicked. I don't have to be pagan. I don't have to be anything, but I can still be a witch. If you listen to the intro episode, I kind of said I was a Levain Satanist before. And even though I was a Satanist, I didn't do any magic or call myself a witch. But some people don't take religion and their witchcraft together at all. Some people choose not to ever have a deity. Some people choose to only work with angels. Some people choose to have demons but not believe in the devil. And only they can tell you why. I think that it's something that you really need to understand from the beginning that you get to pick your path and you get to do what you want to do, what's best for you. I think a big subject that new witches really want to get into right off the bat is astral projection. And we're going to save that for a later episode where we can get in depth about where you can visit the different realms that are out there. And how you can slip out of that hot bod. Unless you're under 18, then I did not say that to you. Okay, moving on. So we'll touch up on astral projection in the future. But before I get into my starlight zone. We want to thank our incredible first sponsor, Crystal Intuition AZ. They focus on helping people connect to high quality crystals at an affordable price to manifest the right energy into your life. The owner is a wonderful woman that is also a high priestess of her coven, so you know none of her products are going to be glass. Yes, your crystals could be glass. You can find her on Facebook or Instagram at crystal.intuition.az. She can be contacted for custom orders and sizes based on your individual situation. I have been following her for a while now, so please check her out. Let's support witchy businesses everywhere. And she also has amazing prices. You can go to a metaphysical shop and get you one of those like $30 tumbled bead bracelets. Or you can go to Crystal Intuition AZ and get them for five bucks. All right. So up next, we have the Starlight Zone. And welcome back to the Starlight Zone, a place so dark you might just stuff your big toe. On today's Little Spooky Spook, we are going to talk about a Japanese game of hide-and-seek. Ooh, I'm intrigued. Do tell. So I'm going to completely butcher this, but it's called Hitori Kakurenbo. It's a famous game in Japan, and this is a game that involves necromancy. Huh, that's interesting. It's a game where you let a spirit or a demon possess the doll, and then you play hide-and-seek with them. 
So you're playing games with Annabelle level. Yes, with Annabelle. <laughs> okay. That being said, it can be extremely dangerous. I've heard Reddit stories where, you know, somebody's friend or somebody's family member played this game and they died. Or they lost, like, an eyeball. I remember that, too. Incredibly something. I wouldn't say interesting. I'm not suggesting our listeners play this game, but if you have played this game, let me know. Okay, Raba, so if you want to play hide-and-seek with Annabelle, this is what you're going to need to do. Have a stuffed doll with limbs, but not a human doll, so preferably a teddy bear. And the reason why you want to do this is because the spirit or the demon is not going to want to leave this doll. You're going to need some rice, enough rice that you can replace the cotton of your doll with the rice. And the rice is said to attract the spirit to the doll. Okay, you lost me here because I'm not wasting my rice. (laughs) Okay, okay. Something from your body, usually fingernails for the doll to represent you. A sharp-edged object. Be sure not to use a knife or scissors because the doll will possibly stab you with it. So use a pencil or a needle instead. Ah, yes. Surprise body piercing. Ooh, I might save me some money. A red thread to sew up the hole that you made into the doll. This later symbolizes the blood in the vessel, and it acts as a restraint later in the game. You're going to need some salt water and salt. The salt is going to be used in the game to get rid of the spirit in the doll. A bathtub with water. If if your home doesn't have a bathtub, you're going to need like a large bowl, enough to put the doll in. And lastly... A really good hiding places because the doll is going to find you if the doll actually moves. I feel like you're set up to lose in this game. <laughs> there are a couple of warnings that come with this game. So it's said that you cannot play this game for more than two hours because the doll will be extremely difficult to get rid of. Messing around with spirits is really dangerous. Play it at your own risk. I am not liable for you financially or spiritually. Also, do not turn around when you're heading to your hiding place. It's said that you might just find something behind you and you do not want to see it. Do not play this game when somebody else is in the house. If you have any pets, put them outside. You have to be alone when you play the game because anybody else who is found instead might get really hurt do not play with more than one person it needs to be one person and one person only because there's a great chance that if the other person doesn't get hurt they will get possessed and you're gonna love this part raba you can only play this game at 3 a.m sharp like that's the only time you can play it yeah it's because 3 a.m is the witching hour the hour spirits are most free to move around and possess things however they say you do not need to wait for 3 a.m 12 a.m is just kind of like to play it safe if you're maybe you're experienced with playing bloody mary i guess 12 a.m is gonna be fine for you yeah i guess but that sounds like nap time to me (laughs) and here is the catch you cannot turn on the lights while playing this game The only thing you can have on is your television because the spirit might want to interact with you using the static. So all your lights are off and it wants you to walk backward away from your bathroom so the doll won't get you. 
you have to walk away from your bathroom without looking back because you might see the spirit. Oh, okay. And the part where everybody kind of messes up, this is essentially where everybody gets hurt. They either fall asleep or go to their bed and don't finish playing the game. And this is the dangerous part because the kind of the goal of the game is if you find me, you can have my body. That's not the kind of game I want to be playing. <laughs> and I don't know if you're comfortable with this, but you need to name the doll. All right. Now that we've gone over the warnings and what you need, this is how we play the game. You need to give your stuffed doll a name, like Fluffy. So you're going to cut the doll open and take out the stuffing, put the rice in the doll and the part of your body like fingernails, sew the doll back again with the red thread, and wrap the remaining string around the whole doll. It's really important because this is called binding. You're binding the spirit to the doll. You want to prepare the large bowl or the bath by filling up with water. Then wait until 3 a.m. Some versions of the game say do not wait till 3 a.m., but this is up to you. Remember, turn all the lights off in the house, but only leave the television on. Once it's 3 a.m., take the doll along with you to the bathroom and repeat. The first tagger is Fluffy, or whatever you name it, three times sternly while closing your eyes. Then place the doll in the bath. Walk away into another room. Do not look back because you might see the spirit possessing the doll. If it makes eye contact and notice you, it will come after you. Count slowly from 1 to 10. And then after that, turn back to the doll in the bath and say, I found you, Fluffy. And then stab it with your object. After that, you're going to close your eyes and repeat. Now Fluffy is it. And do it three times. Leave the object inside the doll and then pour some salt water into your mouth. You should not drink the salt water because it's going to protect you from the spirit. Bringing along the cup of salt water to your hiding place is recommended. Keep your doors and windows unlocked because in case you need emergency help, they can get to you. And it is also recommended to have your cell phone on silent, the brightness at the lowest level in case of emergency. Keep the salt water in your mouth at all times. Never, ever swallow it. So if the doll finds you, it will stab you with the object it stabbed you with, then possibly possess you as well. So keep the salt water near at all times. This does not sound like the game for me. One, this is way too many rules, and that's way too many what-ifs for me. <laughs> okay, fine. This is how you end the ritual, which is really important. To end the ritual, you get out of your hiding spot, you find the doll, and it may not be in the bathroom. So what you're going to do is drink the salt water and then pour the remaining salt water around the doll in a circle. Close your eyes and shout, I win, three times. The spirit will give up and the game ends. But you must dispose of the doll by burying it with salt. Otherwise, the spirit will attempt to re-enter the doll. But I have heard a lot that the spirit never leaves the doll and then you're like haunted for the rest of your life. So this is really up to you. Yeah, so... I just did a quick Google search, and I see that there is a movie with the same name, and I believe that it's probably based on this game. So if you're interested, maybe take a watch. Again, it's not my thing, but it's better than playing it and learning the hard way, in my opinion. Did I ever tell you how I used to collect dolls? Ooh, girl, you're creepy now. <laughs> okay, so 
I used to have this set of porcelain dolls, and my friend and I would have sleepovers. And it would scare the crap out of her, so she would never sleep, and I would sleep like a baby and fine. She was always terrified of these dolls, right? And I'm like, I, I was stupid. I didn't know anything about it. Okay, so I had these dolls, and I had them in my closet next to a statue of the Virgin Mary because I grew up Catholic. One day, I, like, walked past it, and the statue of the Virgin Mary tipped over and fell like head first but it was bottom heavy because it was a statue right it fell down head first nose dived right after me and it just like it hit the tile right where I was just like one tile behind and the head of the virgin mary just broke off yeah no dolls have always creeped me out they are not for me I want nothing to do with them but that is a story for a whole nother time Big thank you again to Crystal Intuition AZ, and thank you listeners for joining us in our little space in the universe. If you enjoyed what you heard today, feel free to leave a review and share this podcast with your favorite witchy siblings. Next week, we're going to talk about crystals. If you have a question or an idea for a future episode, or would like to tell us a story about your favorite witchy tip, please tell us down below or reach out to edgeoftheequinox at gmail.com. Again, that's edgeoftheequinox at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at Edge of the Equinox or Edge of the Broomstick. And you've reached the end of the Equinox. <laughs> <laughs>